Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and ahead of the series returning next week, welcome to this bonus New Year edition of the Media Podcast, in which we invite our esteemed pundits to predict media trends for 2021 and then, entirely unfairly, hold them to account for their predictions for the year just gone. I'm Ollie Mann, and this is the fifth annual Media Podcast Prediction Special. And joining me to kick off the show, Deadline's international editor Jake Cantor is here, and the MD of production company Gold Wallet, Faraz Osman. Happy New Year, chaps. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hello, hello. Uh, Jake, let's start with you. I'm going to humiliate you or possibly applaud you first by <laughs> recapping what you said last year uh you predicted that 2020 would be the consolidation of streaming services a sort of apple buying netflix situation you said because there is simply too much on-demand content to watch you said more big british talent will be snapped up by the streaming services and you speculated that channel 4's ian katz could be out of a job uh why don't you rate yourself give us your own scorecard there jake uh, I'd say maybe one and a half, two at a push. One and a half, two. <laughs> one, what, let's go one and a half. Um, let's go through I them mean, step ob- by step. Ob- yeah, obviously Apple didn't buy Netflix, um, but I think I caveated that quite heavily when I uh, mentioned that last time I was on the podcast. <laughs> but, I mean, we are starting to see some consolidation, I would say. You're, you've only got to look at Disney, which is uh, unveiled plans to make its star streamer available internationally uh, via Disney Plus. And that's a sort of more adult service uh, to go alongside um, some of the safe children's content on Disney Plus. And you know, you'll see series like Lost and 24 here in the UK. Um, and it will be a destination where, you know, grown-ups can go and do some TV watching away from you know, the Pixar films. Okay, um, so you so might that, call that... that consolidation, but you could say, actually, rather than what you said, which is that there's simply too much on-demand content to watch. I mean, you couldn't have predicted this, obviously, because you didn't know the coronavirus was coming, but there's no end to appetite for streaming content. The, the very fact you're mentioning Disney Plus at all, which is a huge success story, shows people are happy to keep subscribing to these things. That is true. That is entirely true. Um, but sooner or later, I steadfastly believe there will have to be some consolidation there is not enough room in people's pockets, in their wallets, to be paying for all of these services well into the future. I think in a short term, when people are not going to the cinema and they're not going to eat out dinner and they're staying very much within their four walls, Mm. people are very willing to spend a bit of of extra money on the things that they're watching on their television. And that's probably why you're seeing such a boom in streaming at the moment. Um, I, I don't think that will there'll be a, a, a cliff edge to that, 
But I do think it will taper off from the levels that we're seeing, particularly last year. You were right, though, to say that more big British talent will be snapped up by the streaming services, weren't you? That I mean, one I was, I was plum on the yeah. money on. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the biggest, the biggest deal was one that I actually reported on, I revealed, which is that Charlie Brooker, his production company, company called uh, Broken Bones, was bought by Netflix in a first-of-its-kind deal for Netflix here in the UK. You know, big chunk of change uh, swapped hands. I'm told about $100 million it could total out at. We saw the fruits of that relationship come to bear at the end of the year when Charlie did um, Death of 2020. And Ian Katz is still in his job at Channel 4. Um, but do you think it's been a precarious year for him? I think actually coronavirus has been helpful for Ian Katz because it has allowed him to change the narrative about what he's doing at Channel 4. I think going into last year, there were a lot of concerns about the fact that Channel 4 was over-reliant on a lot of old brands and um, wasn't innovating in the way that it should have done. Um, but coronavirus has completely disrupted all of that. Um, it went through a very, Channel 4 went through a very, very sticky patch. There was an existential wobble around April time when the TV ad market just completely collapsed, but it actually recovered really well. And the audience share on its main channel rose 3%. Uh, last year, which is really impressive. Um, I think there are still questions around innovation, um, but um, you know, it, it, it's one of the most undervalued skills in television, keeping old shows successful. And if you look at the health of Gogglebox and the extraordinary year that Bake Off had, I mean, just a, a brilliant series through and through, you have to applaud those things. Okay, well, uh, you're talking to the expert here in keeping old brands alive. Blimey, how long have we been doing this? Uh, for us, <laughs> on to you. Your predictions from last year were, quite astonishingly, that cinema is going to have a rough time, thanks to the launch of Disney+, that video games will dominate advertising and entertainment, that the ownership of social media platforms such as TikTok will change hands, and that someone will make a play for Twitter. That was a pretty good sweep of uh, predictions, I must say. What did you know? I'm, I'm not saying I've been looking forward to this podcast, but I'm pretty flipping smug right now. <laughs> and to actually, to add to that as well, I also said in 2019 that Tony Hall was going to step down, and he stepped down in January, so I was only a couple of months off from that. And, and mm. Apple would launch a media bundle, and, and they have done that, and they've kind of done something bigger than that with, with Apple Fitness and um, Apple News and Apple Arcade. So whether or not that, that bundle is going to sell, I think that Jake is is smart in what he's saying about the the limits that people have with the amount of money they've got in their pocket. Um, I, I would argue that that's the reason why Quibi failed and why other other streaming broadcasters that are launching now are, are, are struggling. Um, but I, I think that it was a, you know, look, as, as smug as I am, the, the truth is, is that anybody that made predictions last year were completely moot because of what's happened. And, uh, you know, the whole world has turned upside down. Cinem the, the thing that has happened is that everything has accelerated. Yeah, I mean, the cinemas are literally closed. I mean, you couldn't have predicted that. Maybe, but actually, that I think that the, the question about how cinemas will continue to operate when Netflix are making so much investment into big-budget films like Roma, um, you know, that was coming up the horizon, and it could be argued that it just has happened sooner rather than rather than people well, sooner than people thought. 
But actually, the other thing that might have accelerated, as well as, you know, cinemas having a hard time, what might have accelerated is the kind of Gatsbyization of the cinema experience once it's back on, right? So you might go less, but when you go, you might be spending more money, having a more luxury experience, really enjoying other people being in the room, choosing your film carefully. It's not dead. Yeah, well, well, I think that the end of this year is going to be really fascinating. Um, I think that, like, we, we will still be having a bit of apprehension into going lots into places with lots of people that we don't know coughing and spluttering all over the place uh, until we do get towards the end of the year um, and I do think cinema will require some smart business models to to re-emerge from from this um, I, I think we'll see less of them I don't think all of them are going to reopen um, and the ones that do reopen will be will have to be a little bit more innovative in, in what they're offering um, and, and also we've we've got things like MGM going up for sale which you know they, they look after the Bond franchise and as well as loads of classics and and I think that a streamer will pick that up and will continue to kind of plant the, f- the, the flag in the sand about where you watch movies and the fact that you do it on a streaming platform and, and not in a cinema. But like e- either way, I think that lots of studios, um, lots of film studios have been sitting on some pretty hot scripts waiting for um, the ability to, to film them. Um, and, and that's going to happen this year. So I, I do think we're going to get some pretty awesome storytelling towards the tail end of this year. Where we'll watch it, I think, is still open for debate. And gaming, uh, I mean, video games will dominate advertising and entertainment, you said. Talk us through how that went, because quite a lot of people who listen to this show are aware that they should know more about gaming, but frankly don't. I, I think that you, I mean, you have to get on the train now. This, the, the gaming industry is, is so massive. It's bigger than sport, and uh, some people are saying it's bigger, bigger than music now. Um, it's it's the, the revenue this year from gaming outstripped the revenue from sport and movies combined. Sonic the Hedgehog was one of the biggest films of the year. Um, you, you had everyone playing Among Us, including Alexander Ocasio-Cortez fundraising on it with Ilian Omar during the, during, during the election this year. Biden-Harris launched a, a thing in Animal Crossing where you could go and visit their campaign HQ in a Nintendo game. BBC Sport are doing Rocket League. Netflix are, doing video, you know, are using video games IP to build up their library. So we'll see a Resident Evil series. We saw The Witcher do massive numbers. Um, Final Fantasy, Cyberpunk, Cuphead, all of those things are coming to to Netflix as as narrative series. Um, So it is absolutely huge. And uh, I think it's only going to get bigger. And I think it is going to be a a generational split of people who are, I'm going to say our age and and below. I'm going to still put us in the right age bracket. But our age and below are are really going to continue to see how... Um, video games are just such an integral part of popular culture and it's going to be a case of those who are on board and those who aren't and just briefly on this before we move on to your predictions for for the year ahead on gaming that that thing about revenue because people often say that do you realize it's bigger than hollywood or whatever is that just because the games cost 50 quid though that's what i've never been able to get my head well why don't you wait till my predictions and then we can kind of talk about that Oh, oh a tease a hook and tease didn't know you had radio skills as well, Faraz. All right, let's go to Jake. Uh, what are your predictions for 2021, Mr. Cantor? Oh, my word. I mean, my predictions sound so policy wonky <laughs> after this after this conversation. That's why you're where here, Faraz has just you rattled the off. the box for us. <laughs> it's just rattled off, you know, Gen Z and millennial heaven right yeah. there. Um, I love wonking over policy. <laughs> <laughs> your prediction is um, we're going to see Oliver Dowden in Animal Crossing. No? <laughs> no, but I do think we'll see Oliver Dowden do something fairly significant this year, which is he will, be nice. uh, fire a starting gun on probably the biggest update in broadcasting legislation in 18 years. Um you know, broadcasting laws are stuck in 2003 when Netflix was still a DVD company mm. uh, and Amazon had just posted its first profit. 
uh, quite a bit has changed since then. So, um, and, and much of it for the better, you know, viewers have more choice and TV is booming. But amid all of that, it's important that we sort of preserve our quaint little broadcasting ecology. I say quaint, it's not quaint at all. It's a, a multi-billion pound industry. Um, I think first and foremost, central to all of that is um, protecting public service broadcasting on all platforms. Uh, Ofcom is due to publish its final recommendations from its public service broadcasting review uh, this summer. And it will say that the likes of the BBC and ITV should have greater prominence uh, on TV menus uh, so that valuable content such as news doesn't get lost in the mix, the noise of content that we're all faced with these days. Yeah, I must say I was surprised the other day trying to find BBC One HD on my Sky Plus platform is harder than it should be. I mean, it's still the most popular channel in the country. You just can't find it. That's a hangover from uh, carriage wars between the BBC and uh, and Sky. And it's an odd, it's a very odd thing that BBC HD is, is buried. All right, but give me some really clear prediction here, because it's all very well to say he's going to fire the starting gun. We know that. What's Give, <laughs> give, me, some, give me some words that are going to be in his report. Exactly what I've just said. I think there will be protections. It's like Patel. What did you just say? <laughs> <There will. laughs> key, key words. There will be protections brought in to uh, to make sure that the likes of BBC One HD remain high in TV guides, that when you go onto your Skybox, that the iPlayer app is very, very clearly signposted okay. next, to the, next to the Netflix app. Okay. Um, let's alternate you. Why not? You've got a couple of predictions each, right? So, Faraz, what else have you got for us for 2021? Well, I'm actually, I, I think that I can I can build on what Jake said. 2020 obviously was an anomaly. Um, and Jake mentioned this earlier about how the advertising revenue um, bounced back up again and the audience share of Channel 4 bounced back up again. I, I don't know if that's sustainable. Um, I, I think a lot of that has been because we've been stuck indoors and TV has been our best friend um, for, for this pandemic. Uh, I, th- I think that this is going to be the year of the IP. Um, and we're going to see the the ad based broadcasting model at, at its deathbed. So what it's going to do is going to it's, it's we're going to accelerate this idea of um, sorry. So we're going to really see a, an issue around the ad based um, broadcasting model, particularly because I think sport is going to struggle. Um, I think there's question marks still over the Olympics um, and and the football for this year, um, and that's really going to hit Channel Four and ITV quite hard. Can you give us a stat? Can you give us a prediction of what that might do to their bottom line or what the decline in ratings might be? I want something I can hold you to. Well, I think that we, I mean, when you compare it to the Olympics of, of previous years, I, I think viewing of the Olympics, if it even happens, I would yeah. argue that, that viewing of the Olympics will probably be down by about 10%. Okay, I like that. I mean, I don't like that, but I like the stat, yeah. But if they try to do it this year, and the reason for that is that I just cannot see as many countries competing and it will feel like it's not as big as Olympic and sporting events have been previously, which I think is true of the football as well. The foot, the, the Premier League, when you watch the Premier League without a crowd um, in the way that they're playing it, it's it's still the Premier League, but it doesn't feel like it's as big as it as it used to be um and and that will i'll I'll cycle back to that because i think that that's going to have an impact on sports rights for uh for this uh for this round as well but when it comes to kind of broadcasters channel 4 and itv in particular um i think we're going to start seeing those models particularly channel 4 pivot into building ip and not being a broadcasting company and i think this goes Mm -hmm. back to what jake was saying about ian's role um i think ian katz um 
the, 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 the previous generation of Channel 4 with Jay Hunt leading it, Jay, Jay was the queen of that channel. And what she said is what the channel was. I think what we're going to see with, with Alex uh, Mahon firing the starting gun on the Future 4 proposal is that Channel 4 will be seen as a place where you build new ideas, a little bit like they did with The Circle. So you build and launch an idea on Channel 4. And then the idea is that you would get that seen by the streamers who are these big, massive gorillas in the room and hope to sell the international rights to those streamers so then does it become a co-production effectively in the uk effectively yeah so i think we'll see more and more broadcasters particularly itv and channel 4 taking more rights from independent production companies they will be both the the thing that helps develop that show that shouts about it because it'll be broadcast um, and then they will then help sell that and be the broker to sell that to the big streaming platforms with uh, international versions, different language versions, um, and but the, but the format and the IP will, will kind of remain with the production company shared with the broadcaster. And I think as we go forward, that's going to be the role of Channel Four in in kind of continuing to push the spirit of um, uh, of what independent production looks like in the UK. All right, Jake, give us another wonky politics prediction. <laughs> well, I'm going to revisit an old prediction which I previously got wrong, but I'm convinced this year will be right. And- <laughs> <laughs> and that is that the BBC will close the TV channel this year. Wow. Um, I mean, the most likely candidate is obviously BBC Four, which has already been hollowed out. Um, some of its original shows are moving to BBC Two. Uh, and last year, its controller, Cassian Harrison, was uh, done out of a job, basically shifted quietly over to BBC Studios, which is, which is the BBC's commercial arm. Um, and furthermore, it sort of plays into a bigger narrative that's going on at the BBC at the moment, which is um, they have taken the fairly seismic decision to scrap channel controller roles and place a much bigger emphasis on iPlayer first commissioning. Uh, and that's a sort of huge power shift from traditional broadcasting to streaming. Um, and I think within that narrative, I don't think you can justify having three channels on television anymore. Obviously, the BBC has other channels, uh, children's channels, which serve very specific um, purposes. And Faraz, with his new CBBS commission, will tell you how important uh, those children's channels are. But I think in terms of those traditional three, BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Four, those three channels, I don't think you can sustain them in the future. Interesting. And actually, in previous years, when you did predict that that was going to happen, it seemed probably more outrageous that that might happen. Whereas now, it does sort of feel more inevitable, partly because BBC Three is gone in a linear form. And partly, I guess, you know, the comparison with CBBS is an interesting one, isn't it? I use CBBS as a dad to tell my child in the linear broadcast, when is the time to get your clothes on and go to school? Because it happens at the same time every day. And that's important. It's a babysitting service. Whereas, um, actually, BBC Four, I mean, you can find Mark Kermode and Neil Brand and whatever you want to watch on iPlayer. It doesn't matter what time they're on the linear. I mean, no one cares anymore, do they? Literally, no one who watches that channel is sitting there going, right, 9pm, what's on? Well, I think one of the main reasons it probably hasn't gone already is that it um, is uh, a channel that is well-liked by the chattering classes and therefore known to politicians. I think it will be unpopular if they act BBC Four. That I've no doubt it will be unpopular. Always is unpopular when the BBC threatens services. I think the most counterintuitive thing that the BBC is talking about is um, moving BBC Three back to television, which would be very, very odd given the narrative around um, the shift to digital. Um, and from what I can tell from sources I speak to at the BBC, um, the briefing that went on around moving BBC Three back to TV has uh, has has calmed down somewhat and is not uh, quite as spicy as it once was. 
Okay, Faraz, give us your big finish. And I should say, if you're listening to this, thinking I don't care about gaming, that's fine. We've got many more guests to come on the show. Uh, stay with us. But Faraz, what is your gaming prediction? Well, I, I think that based on exactly as you said earlier, I think that we're going to really see this year being the year of game streaming. Um, Xbox Games Pass has been a thing that's been kicking around for a while, which is their equivalent of... Um, uh, of Netflix for games, you know, you pay a subscription service and you you have access to hundreds of games. Google launched their version with Stadia. Amazon are going to be launching their version. Uh, Apple have launched the Apple Arcade Plus. But I think that with the launch of 5G and that getting to being at critical mass this year, uh, I think having a game streaming subscription is it's just going to start becoming the norm. And, and I think that we're going to see a, a, quite a large adoption of game streaming platforms uh, where you have a uh, a six to to twelve pound subscription um, to access lots and lots of games, and we're going to stop seeing. So, to my point then about the cost of games, like I said, fifty quid, you know, for a cartridge in the old days, or for a digital subscription now, that's gone, has it? But the revenue still stay. I, I think it's gone for everybody apart from Nintendo. I think Nintendo continue to be a, 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 uh, a an, an anomaly in in the video game space, um, but I think for. Uh, companies like Microsoft and uh, and Sony eventually we we will see subscription based um, video game services moving forward um, more free to play games where you you know it's free at point of entry and then you pay lots of microtransactions to to enjoy the additional contra- uh, content like you see in Fortnite and Apex Legends and uh, and Among Us um, but the, the 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 kind of premium games are going to start coming under bigger banners and I think that when you look at how difficult it's been to get hold of one of this next generation of consoles but they've still completely dominated the the narrative and the mindshare of the entertainment world uh, it really demonstrates that actually uh, game streaming makes complete sense um, because you can play anywhere on your phone on your computer on your tv um, and that's exactly what the success of netflix was and we'll start seeing it with video games as well okay my thanks to our very own apex legends faraz osman and jake Cantor. we will be holding you to account next year uh, now let's see who's left a message on the media podcast hotline Hello, my name's Anne Charles from Anne Charles Media and Radio Techcon. My prediction is that voice-based social media apps will be big this year. Clubhouse already has a major buzz around it. Stereo is spending loads of money on social media advertising. And Twitter is developing a Clubhouse rival called Spaces. So this is a real opportunity for people who love audio to showcase their skills. I also think commercial radio is likely to steal another couple of former BBC talent to their ranks. So have a look at the lineup for LBC, Times Radio, and maybe even Scala to see if you can spot some new names. Next new message. Hello, it's Ian Dale from LBC. I've got two predictions for 2021. One is that the Daily Telegraph will go tabloid in format by the end of the year, or at least announce its intention to. I think it's the best way it can compete with the Times. And secondly, that Kay Burley will not return after six months to present Sky News Breakfast. She'll be given an all-encompassing roving role while she'll make special programmes. So you can guarantee that neither of those two will come true. Maggie Brown with her predictions for 2021. I'm an optimist for 2021. Um, I think we can see that never has there been such a greater need for public service, media and broadcasting. 
especially after the horrors of 2020 and the American election. In my opinion, the BBC is in a stronger position than we might have thought it would have been now, partly because of its sterling service with operations like Bite Size, catering for the nation's children, and also, I think, trying very hard to reform itself in terms of the way, for example, it covers news and current affairs and other topics from the nations and the regions. It's got a new chair, it's got a new regime, and I hope that it goes from strength to strength. It, it will be celebrating its centenary in 2022, so I think that it's got plenty going for it, and I even think it's managing to navigate the over 75 licence issue. This has been a very harsh period for people who are depending on advertising or, or freelancers working in, in, the, in the creative sector. And I don't know how, obviously, the economy is going to work out. But one thing you can see, if you, if you look at the UK as a whole, there is a big growth in studios. The streamers in particular, American operators, are building facilities, large production units in the UK. Mainly it's true around London and, and the South East, but there is going to be a global hub, I think, for production, certainly in England, and th there will be a lot of work coming through, both films and uh, television series, and indeed documentaries, as we can see. I also think that there's, in a way, a new accommodation taking place for some newspapers. Uh, it's been, of course, terribly hard, but you can see the growth in subscriptions for national newspapers and you can also hear throughout the political debate a need for better regional and local newspapers or news operations that can be trusted. All in all then, I don't say that this is going to be an easy year, but I do actually think that the British, certainly broadcasting sector, will bounce back and of course I include in that Channel 4 because <laughs> my Channel 4 history uh, from 2007 to the current day uh, will be coming out this spring and it clearly has got an, an, a, a threat of privatisation over it but I also think that it has plenty of scope to prove that it's a useful and a creative force for innovation in across the UK. It has taken itself out of London. It's perfectly capable of striking deals which can reinforce it without, I think, going down the route of needing private capital. So that's my prediction. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right, welcome back for the second half of the show. I am joined by Folder Media's Matt Deegan. Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year, Ollie. Uh, let's... See how you fared on your predictions for the past 12 months. Uh, You said 2020 will be the rise of the podcast exclusive from BBC Sounds, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You said commercial radio consolidation will happen. We'll see the end of very local independent commercial radio. The examples were KM, FM, Q Radio. Uh, And you said that we will see attacks on the BBC by government are going to increase. Not a bad scorecard. Let's go through yeah, them all in turn. I think that's pretty good. Um, podcast exclusives last year. Yes. I mean, lots of that going on, wasn't there? Yes, particularly from Spotify. Um, though on BBC Sounds, quite a few things went on there first before later kind of going on to Apple Podcasts and, and other places. Um, yeah. We haven't really seen podcast exclusives from Apple uh there's still lots of talk that they're going to get into the content space they've said that they're going to create podcasts for some of their apple tv shows um they haven't kind of hired any big names or anything though they've made some kind of interesting behind the scenes hires over the past few months so i still think there is something coming from them that's a little more interesting what would the financial model be because i mean with apple tv plus you sort of kind of get what the financial model is i mean it's a subscription video service at the end of the day uh, once they actually start charging people for it but um with podcasts uh, partly through their own doing there exists an ecosystem where people are not prepared to pay for it so what would it would just be getting people to their podcast app that would be the only advantage well i think they, they're facing for the first time proper competition from spotify for people using their uh, their software uh, to listen to podcasts and having had the market for so long there is a danger for them in that they that they will squander an excellent lead that they have and a good way to do that is to to create your own content we saw the other week that wondery is about to be bought by amazon amazon launched amazon music podcasts uh, at the end of last year um you know having a stake in the content game um gives you some uh, pull when 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 either you're trying to launch an app or you're trying to create an ad network around your premium content. I mean, that's the other thing that Spotify are doing with all these signups. They're creating a premium network for advertising for podcasting. Okay. Now, commercial radio consolidation, difficult to argue against that. I mean, it's hard to think of many commercial radio stations that aren't now part of the three big groups. But um, KMFM and Q Radio, the examples you gave, I think both of those do still exist, don't they? Uh, yes. So they are still independent. So it's a on that one but the spirit of the law to borrow a trendy phrase <laughs> was yeah, correct the, wasn't it the broad thing what i was saying is you know, there are very few stations left that aren't part of networks and even your kmfms and your Qs are sort of now part of bauer because bauer now sell their national advertising so you've kind of um there are very few small stations left uh, and i think the the knock-on of that we're, we're going to probably see this year as well 
Yeah, well, our friends over on the Radio Today programme podcast would say that this could create a boon for ultra-local radio stations. But do you agree? Because, I mean, that's sort of given as a, a sort of relatively unchallenged assertion when radio geeks talk to each other, but does the public really want a hyper-local station? Uh, it's interesting. So one of our businesses, we run multiplexes around the country that sell space to, to people who want to come on and broadcast radio stations. We have the BBC and big commercial groups on there, but we have small groups too, small stations. Uh, and it's it's that thing, you know, it, there, there, is a, there is definitely a market for a local service. Um, there's definitely a gap in the market for that. The question is always, is there a market in the gap? Can they build businesses around that? And what we've seen in North Yorkshire, where Bauer... Uh, replaced Minster FM, Stray FM and Yorkshire Coast Radio with greatest hits. Um, People from all three of those stations have launched basically the old station back again as a local service uh, on 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 our digital radio multiplex um, and on internet and mobile and those sorts of things. But the most interesting thing about them is they've kept a lot of the salespeople from the old days so if there's someone that's going to make a good go at it, you'd assume it was them. And those stations had done quite well as independent stations. So that'll be one of the tests, I think. Can some of those hyper-local um, newbies uh, make a business? And if they can, then I think we'll see uh, probably an explosion in, in people having a go. But it's tough. And then attacks on the BBC by government are only going to increase, you predicted, ahead of 2020. I'm going to posit that that got slightly interrupted by coronavirus. Yeah, so I think first three months of the year, absolutely, it it got tougher, Um, particularly Dominic Cummings, uh, when they were saying who the chair might be and all those sorts of things. Um, Then the BBC pulled out... um, uh, a brilliant public service rabbit from the hat, uh, obviously, uh, for doing the ex- new conspiracy. Was it all launched by the BBC? <laughs> oh, they sent someone to China. It wasn't a bat after all. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Tomorrow's World team went and did it. Yeah, so I, I think um, that did stop it growing. And I think they, they probably warded it off a little bit, but also the fact that some of the right wing headbangers have been chucked out at number 10 as well. Um, you know, the Tories generally not big fans of the BBC. That's not going to change. Uh, but the yeah, the, the 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 people who really wanted it probably aren't there anymore. Mm. And the and the government have you know, bigger problems to deal with Brexit, um, coronavirus. And the public like the BBC at the moment, don't they? Suddenly they've been Marcus Rashfordized. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. Predictions for twenty twenty one. Then what can you give us? Uh, so uh, on radio. Because it will have been probably 15 months since a Rajar, I think we're going to see some surprises in the Rajar when it finally comes out. One of the things we normally have is it goes quarter by quarter, and so it's all very gentle. Mm. I think we'll see some big changes. I think I think Times Radio is going to do a good, going to do well. What does that mean? Can you give us a number? I wouldn't ask anyone else this, but you, of all people, Rajar watcher Matt Deegan, what would you say Times Radio should get? So a success for them would, I think, be half a million listeners. Mm-hmm. I think they might go 700,000. Wow, okay. Quite bold. Yeah, they would be happy with that, wouldn't they? Uh, and I think uh, Greatest Hits, which is the combination of these stations, uh, I think they'll see um, a decent decline, a kind of maybe a 15% decline on, on what they used to be as independent stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think generally there's going to be some a lot more ups and downs uh, because I think people's behaviours changed during lockdown yes. and that's changed how they consume radio and, and it's going to be a stark um, view of that. But what's down, actually? I mean, OK, you say the old stations that used to be greatest hits, but 
you can imagine that news radio would be up because of the desperate circumstances we've been in, say Five Live, LBC, whatever, but also that actually people escaping the news circumstances, who I've been listening to a lot of magic at the musicals, will also be up. So, like, who's who's not doing well out of it? Well, because it's because it's going to be sort of 15, 16 months worth, I don't think it's going to be as easy as saying, hey, it's news up or music down or, or, or those things. I think it's more that people have had different times to listen to different things. And so their general, what their basic stations that they listen to at breakfast or, or throughout the day will shift. And I think that'll have an effect, quite a big effect on, on reach nows. Steve Allen's spike might finally be flattened. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what else? Um, I think we're going to see some big companies quietly stopping doing podcasts because they've realised that the economics don't add up. I could have told them that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, I think that, yeah, some some people who probably have three, four, five shows are just going to look at that and go, we can't really make that, that work uh, economically. So like who? Like a podcast network or you mean like the radio networks? I think like a new, maybe like newspapers or magazines that, that do stuff or people where it's not their core mm. uh, activity. Um, I think it, it seemed fun and hot and sexy and the thing to get into, but they'll realise actually it's quite hard to do. And I, guess, I suppose the hard thing might be that they're not necessarily losing much money on them. They might be almost breaking even. It's just a calculation of effort versus reward, isn't it? You want the prestige, and I guess there's so much competition now. Yes, and I think when you look at where where your resources should be should be put into, you know, I think people put a decent amount of time in. Um, I think a, there is a lot of ego podcasting in in B two B publications, or even just from you know some media titles um people just want to be on uh, but actually the figures that they're getting don't really justify it yeah so if you have a b2b media podcast title that you're going to kill off sponsor ours instead absolutely go, <laughs> go, go where the audience is <laughs> and uh, go on you have one more prediction for us uh and i think spotify is going to move to be the number one podcast app in Ooh. the in the uk by what how do you measure that i mean who measures that podcast hosts normally can tell you what how people are listening yeah um but i think uh, i think sort of generally here in britain where apple is still the lead um i think we'll see spotify take over just because exclusives it being an app people are more used to using and it being more cross-platform uh, so yeah i think spotify will go number one in podcasts i must say here is a media pod exclusive for you media podders I have switched my podcast listening allegiance to Spotify. Not from Apple, actually. I used to listen to Pocket Casts mm. because I wanted to download shows to my phone and that was the main thing I was concerned about, getting on the London Underground or whatever. Being at home, having good quality broadband, Spotify's better at moving from my my phone to the DAB streaming Bluetooth thing in the kitchen to my laptop upstairs. It knows where I'm up to. I'm just streaming everything. I don't download anything anymore. Yeah, and I think that they'll they'll keep improving the product. Interesting today, uh, it was announced that Pocket Casts is up for sale. Oh right! Uh, so so Pocket Casts, really good third party app, was bought by a consortium of public broadcasters last year. Yeah, like NPR types, and that's quite. A, I thought that was quite a good idea them having a stake in that world. But um, I assume they've gone. This is hard. Is hard to make an impact in. Um, and look at you know where these devices and services are, so they're, they're kind of put up for sale. Also, uh, Twitter bought Breaker, which was sort of an early breakout third-party app, and that's being shut, sort of shut down. Though I think it'll be sold off. But the team are moving to Twitter to head up a lot of their own audio plans. Yeah, yeah, it's a safe prediction always, isn't it? That whatever is bought by Twitter will get shut down. Yes. <laughs> I can't think of anything they've kept going. Uh, thank you very much, Matt. Great predictions. We will hold you to account next year. 
thank you very much for joining us, Matt Deegan, and all our foolhardy contributors for going on the record once again. Uh, of course, the only way to guarantee they will be firmly held to account next year is to ensure the survival of this show. If you love what we do, please take a moment now to donate a few pounds. You can do that at themediapodcast.com slash donate. And everything you contribute goes directly to making the next episode. That is themediapodcast.com slash donate. Uh, we will be back with our first proper show of the year next Thursday. Subscribe to get that episode as soon as it drops. Just search for The Media Podcast on your podcasting app of choice. I've been Ollie Mann. The producer this week was Matt Hill. The Media Podcast is a PPM and Rethink Audio production. Bye-bye. My other one, which kind of relates to what Jake is saying, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm wanting to kind of put money on this. I reckon BBC Parliament and BBC News are going to merge, and it's going to be BBC News mm. slash Parliament that disappears because I just don't no. think anybody will care about twenty four hour news anymore. Trump's gone, Brexit's gone, oh, news I is going to be boring. I disagree. I disagree with that. I hard disagree with that. Mm. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.